Hey, hey, everybody. It's your old buddy and your old pal, Dan Peck. Hey, hey, guys. It's Chris O'Malley. And this is the show where we talk talkies. It's... Talking Talkies. Talking Talkies. Okay, yeah, that's the name of it. Wow. But this was like the extra jolly version because we're doing a Christmas movie. That was the, uh, ripped off the intro to WrestleCraft Radio. Or that. But, you know. On the other end of the tin can and string. (laughs) Of course. It's Christmas time! Christmas, 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 Christmas. Yeah, Christmas is pretty awesome. This is a great time to be doing Christmas movies in December. Which is funny, because we're only going to end up reviewing three Christmas movies in December. We're going to review six other movies that are also appropriate for Christmas. Because they're appropriate every time. We're going to talk about that later. Right now, we're going to talk about the original Miracle on 34th Street from 1947. Which was cool, because this is actually the first time I've actually seen this version. So, let's talk about this dude named Chris Kringle. You guys know who that is, right? Chris Kringle? He's Santa Claus. Oh. Well, obviously. <laughs> so since it's the 40s, like, all the credits are at the beginning of the movie. Pretty much, yeah. Um, we're actually starting off on Thanksgiving. It's the Thanksgiving Day Parade. The Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Because the theme of this movie is to eliminate the commercialism in Christmas by having the movie be about <laughs> a friggin' Macy's commercial. Because that's exactly what it is. Also, it's it's the 40s, so Gimbal still exists. Yeah. Every time they mention in the that, in the remake, they don't have they're not the actual stores in the remake though. No, they're all like, made up stores. I love how uh, every time they mentioned Macy's and Gibbles, I kept thinking about um, when Marge had her pretzel stand and Fleeta Pita opened up, and they're like, hey, "Gimbles, well Macy's and Gibbles learned to get along. No, Gibbles is gone, Marge, long gone. You're Gimbles." <laughs> So, like, the first thing we see is is a man that looks kind of like Santa Claus walking on the street, and he stops at a store, and he's like, you're doing it all wrong, dude. Yeah, all the reindeer are wrong. They're all in like, the wrong spot. This one's in the wrong spot. This one doesn't have the right amount of antlers, like, points on his antlers. And the guy's just like, uh-huh, all right, and just ignores him. We're closed. Go away. Yep. Then he discovers that... The guy who's going to play Santa in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is drunk off his ass. Hey, it's cold out. The guy has to keep warm somehow. <laughs> Which is hilarious because alcohol actually doesn't make you warmer. It makes you feel warmer, though. Well, yeah, but it doesn't actually do anything. So he's like, who do I talk to about who's in charge? I'm like, well, that's her. Doris Walker. Oh, it's the 40s. Everybody's old timey. That's her over there. Yes, Billy Robinson. That dame over there. So he basically explains the situation, and she's like, "Well, you're, you'd be perfect for this. You have any experience playing Santa Claus?" He's like, "Yeah, a little bit." So he takes over for the parade, while the other guy they kind of just strip him out of his costume while he's passing out drunk. And he does this great job in the parade, so much so. That he actually gets hired to be the Santa at the main Macy's in New York City. We also meet little Susan. 
because, of course, it's a Christmas movie, so we have to meet young Natalie Wood. And she's hanging out with their neighbor in the front apartment, Mr. Galley, to watch the parade. But they get along, so they don't mind. And you can already tell that she's one of those people who questions everything because her mother has taught her to basically always use common sense and not have any faith. So she doesn't believe in Santa Claus. She doesn't believe in fairy tales. She's basically a kid who's not allowed to be a kid. I I, I know some she people who I us, yeah I, I know some people who I think were raised like that too. So we're getting an introduction to Chris Kringle playing Santa Claus here at Macy's, and he's befriends this nice janitor named Arthur, who also plays Santa Claus, and he's all fascinated by this. He's like, so what What do you like about playing Santa Claus? Well, you know, the, the joy in kids' faces. And he's just super into that. Like, yeah, that's oh, the I best part like, of it. Later they say that that guy's 17, and I'm like, dude, he's like 30. Yeah, yeah he's <laughs> definitely not 17. Um, so Chris gets his instructions about how to play Santa, and they're like, so look, we got these toys that are kind of overstocked, so when kids don't know what they want, we need you to push this stuff on them. So he does the exact opposite. He <laughs> tears it up and crumbles it up. <laughs> so uh, when when uh, one he wants a fire he wants, truck, he wants a fire truck. So he tells them, "We'll go to Gimples. They got one." And the mother, like, but and he won't play with it in the house. Only in the backyard. He swears. Yeah. <laughs> And the mother's all upset that, how dare you promise my kid he got one? So he gives her the secret, and she's like, wow, that's actually pretty cool. So she tells the guy in charge, like, this is a really good sales idea. Like, and the fact that you did that for me, I'm going to shop here more often. Which is probably the exact opposite of what would happen in today's society. So, now... Susan gets to meet Chris Kringle, but she doesn't believe, so she does the iconic pull on the beard. And, of course, it's real. Duh. And we also see him conversing in Dutch with this adopted girl who doesn't know English. Yeah. So this is all, this is all like, the, the you-have-to-believe type stuff here. He's gotta be real. He knows Dutch. So, uh, under pressure... Because he might be delusional, they uh, decide to fire the guy. They they put him into this psychological test, which he already knows what that's going to entail, and he like knows the answers to the questions already and how to do the physical stuff. And of course, we got like that typical nineteen forties like sleeves bag guy with the thinning hair and the mustache playing the psychiatrist. He's not even a psychiatrist. No, he's not. Ooh, that's a plot point. He's just an asshole who's having family troubles. Yeah, they're thinking he's going to hurt somebody with all this stuff. But his publicity is so good that the head of Macy's... Mr. Macy himself. Mr. Macy himself. Mr. William H. Macy himself. (laughs) (laughs) He he promises them these nice bonuses for uh, getting him back instead of their other replacements. So, of course, they come up with that excuse... Oh, well, we only wanted to offer it to this guy, you know, because he's done it before. We're trying to be nice to him, but uh, we we really want it to be you. But you got to do this psychological evaluation. He's like, okay, so he does it. 
So now, of course, uh, I don't even understand how that's a psychological evaluation. Like who's the first president? <laughs> yeah, it's all like how many days yeah. in the week? It's all like yeah, like <laughs> and then <clears throat> stand up and like do these weird movements with your hands yeah. to your nose. And the best part is that the <laughs> the guy gets all pissed off because all he does is like ask him questions and question him on his ability. So, of course, now the whole thing is starting to spread. Now everybody's <clears throat> doing this thing with their with chains to send people to get the right toys. But, you know, it, it compl- with the impossible happens because Mr. Macy and Mr. Gimble, they reconcile. So this is a good thing, right? Except that the guy's going to be put up in a home now because he's just nuts. It's like the whole. It's like the whole thing. It's like no, he's nuts. He's he thinks he's Santa Claus and all this other stuff. No, all, all he is is he thinks he's Santa Claus. That's like the basis of everything. Yeah, and that's you know they're the people who are going along with it because it's doing good, and then there are the people who are just like no, he's a crazy old man. He thinks Lock he's Santa up. Claus. Santa Claus doesn't exist. Yeah, doesn't he like intentionally fail? A psychological example. Well, it, it all comes to like when he hears that the freaking janitor kid goes to see the freaking guy every day, and he's like telling him all this bullshit about yeah. how he, he how he must have been bad at some point. He's trying to make up for it and everything, and he's like, "That's it." And he goes and he has some stern words with the guy, but the guy is all trying to get get him, so he pisses him off. So he, like he hits him upside the head with his umbrella <laughs> handle, and then he like so- sees that the people are coming. So he like freaking like takes a full back bump and acts like he's dead. Yeah, he takes a ref bump. (laughs) Acts like he's dead. (laughs) All right, he's dead. And he's like, I told you, I questioned him on being Santa and he attacked me. Not true. I was being an asshole and he attacked me. Yeah, he's a big freaking liar. The whole purpose. And now, of course, the guy ends up in a mental institution. But nope, we're going to get him out of here because you can't give up. It's all about faith. See, the underlining themes of Miracle of 34th Street, folks. You just gotta believe. You gotta believe. So you he goes just to, need this. to believe. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, can you imagine Bo playing Santa Claus? That'd be great. Uh, well, we have time. It could happen this year. <laughs> it certainly could. So now he's gonna go for a, he- a formal hearing. In front of a judge. To see whether or not he should be committed to the Bellevue Institute full-time. And, uh, the whole, he basically says, no, I'm gonna, his attorney's like, nope, I'm gonna prove. gets Mr. Gailey to be his attorney. Yeah, Mr. Gailey's like, I'm gonna prove that this guy's the real Santa Claus, and everybody has a big lull. Everyone lulls. Yes. Well, the the argument is that no, he is insane because he thinks he's Santa Claus, and they want the judge to rule that Santa doesn't exist. And this is where we get a political subplot. Yes, he can't do it. The judge is running for office, and he can't say that there is no Santa Claus because all the kids will hate him, make the parents hate him, all the toy manufacturers will hate him, all the stores will hate him, so he'll get... I love it. You'll get two votes yourself and the district attorney. And then the guy goes, the district attorney is a Republican. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so of course these uh they get so they they have him up on the stand and he's you know the, the whole the whole time he's just super jolly and super nice and he's always you know good morning judge oh of course I'll tell the truth yes of course that's my name of course that's where I live well he doesn't actually say where he lives he says that's what the court's going to decide and they all laugh lol that they call up uh, Mr. Macy as a witness, and he starts having like that uh, those hallucinations to seeing him. And he's just like, "Oh yes, I believe it." So of course, there's another big lull there. Because he like <laughs> thinks about on, on the past and all the times that he's interacted with him and things that have happened because of him. And he's like, "You know what? That's pretty Santa E stuff." Yeah. And then he fire. He just fires the doctor. By the way, you're fired. Oh, okay. Then they call up. Uh, they're like, we're gonna call up his son. We're gonna call up Barty Crouch. Yes, Junior. <laughs> and he testifies that his father told him Santa was real. Oh, and he goes, "Hello, father." Yes, hello, father. I am the doctor. And I'm going to kill Edward Cullen. How do we get this many references from this movie? Of all the movies we've reviewed, we're getting all the references. <laughs> it's like the oldest movie we've reviewed, too, isn't it? It's gotta be. Pretty sure, yeah, because it's... And it might be the oldest we ever review. Uh, could be. I want to do The Wizard of Oz at some point. That's older. All right. So anyway, uh, <laughs> I love, but I love the uh, the grandchildren. <laughs> Give Grandpa a hug. Good night. Humph. Hey, it's how little kids would just scoff. Little kid actors are fun, especially back in old movies. Actually, all the kids did a really good job in this movie. They really do. In fact, I remember when uh, the nostalgia critic Doug Walker talked about this movie, he said that the girl acts like she's wise beyond her years. And he cites the scene where Santa's trying to is going to teach her how to have an imagination and how to play with the other kids at the zoo. And she didn't want to play because only animals were allowed. And he go, she goes, well, I'm not an animal. I'm a girl. And I was like, well, yeah, she does act pretty smart in the movie. Except when she's the only one without faith, but we're going to get to that. All right, so now we're having a full-on court case on Christmas Eve of all times, because what? how else would this happen? And He was given an ultimatum at the end until the next day to get somebody of, of importance to sign off that he is actually Santa Claus. C- cut to a scene that's like 30 seconds long and is like the most important scene in the entire movie. Yeah. Hey, look, we got a letter from Santa Claus. But, look but it doesn't to. say North Pole or anything. It says the the, the the courthouse. Oh, yeah, there's a guy there. It's on, on trial. Hey, how much of the Santa letters we got? Why don't we send them to this a-hole? <laughs> They're all just angry postal workers from New York. I love it. And you're like, hey, that's a good idea. Let's do that. And then sure enough, <laughs> it was like 50 bags. Off with letters to Santa Claus. Uh, that's the wrong courthouse. You want the people of Springfield versus Chris Kringle next door. That episode was just on the other day. There you go, Your Honor. All these letters to Santa Claus. Good old Lionel Hutz. 
<laughs> so uh, th- they come to the conclusion that, well, the letters are addressed to Santa Claus, and they came to this guy, and the U.S. Postal Service, which is, you know, part of the government, At least has acknowledged, it was back then. Yeah. Has acknowledged that he's Santa Claus. So the federal government says he's Santa Claus, so he's Santa Claus. Suck and that's it. it. Yeah, that's it. And I rest my case. I love he's like, put the rest of the letters right here on my desk. He's like, uh, are you sure? I said, put them on my desk. All right. It's just a huge pile of letters. Well, that, that's what the judge said. We're just doing what the judge said, you guys. Put them on my desk. He turned into Vince McMahon there. Yeah. Put them on my desk. So the next morning we have a big Christmas party with a big tree and lots of gifts and everybody's shaking hands and wishing each other a Merry Christmas. Well, I love after the trial where she's like, you want to have dinner with us? He's like, uh, it's Christmas Eve, you dumb bitch. <laughs> yeah, I got something else to do. <laughs> and, Those uh, were the actual line. That was the actual line for being. Yes. Yes. Actual line from a film in 1947. You dumb bitch. <laughs> yes. Ghetto like too, because. <laughs> what I like is she invited him to dinner and he's like, you dumb bitch. <laughs> totally called for. This is what, this is what the, uh, the, like the 20, 2021 remake <laughs> with the black Santa Claus is going to be. Oh. It's the 24th, you dumb bitch. <laughs> Somebody make that. I'll make that. <laughs> make a oh, whole yeah. another remake of, of, of an all black. Oh yeah, tonight is that the uh, is the whiz. <laughs> oh, that live whiz. But it has Dag as the as the lion, so I think that'd be cool, David Ellinger. My wife is hating everything about that. But you can't so, eat on Dag. Come on, man. Yeah, well, <laughs> you tell her that because I can't. Can't hate on Dag. So yeah, it's Christmas morning, and the only person who is not happy is Susan because she didn't get what she wanted. She wanted this brand new house. Not a dollhouse, a real house, because she always had this broken home. She didn't know her father. Carson suck. Yeah, that's what she wants. She wanted her the room that she always wanted. She wanted the swing in the back and all this other stuff. So when they're about to leave to go home, Chris gives them new directions to avoid the traffic. And she's, you know, just being like, I believe, I believe, I believe, like a robot. And then it's, stop the car! (laughs) Stop the goddamn car. And she like, just gets out of the car and runs into a random house. And they're like, what are you doing? You can't go in other people's houses. Like, but there's a for sale sign on the front. This is the house that Mr. Kringle promised me. It has everything I always wanted. And that's how she becomes the believer. And, uh, of course, then Fred learns that Doris encouraged this faith. So... They kiss. I'm sure they do stuff later. She didn't want a house. She wanted a daddy. That's pretty much it. And then they notice that there's a red cane inside the house. Well, we all know it, it's it's red, but you can't tell in the... You can't it's tell black and white and standard on definition. The yes. <laughs> it's like, it looks just like the cane he was without on Christmas morning. Can't be. No, no way. Maybe he didn't do such an impressive thing after all. And the end. And then they fuck and credits. <laughs> yes. In 1947, that's exactly what happened. Uh, this was 
was fun. I had never seen the original Miracle before. It was really cool to watch it. I enjoyed it. I like the, uh, I just like the whole, I, I like the fact that they don't tell you one way or the other what this guy's deal is. Like, it's he not one of those. Actually, Santa Claus. Yeah, they don't, there's no conclusion to that. According to the government, he is, so. So, yeah. And that's what I like about how they did this film. So, a lot of credit to them, to the filmmakers, for doing a great job with the story and making it, um, I, 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 it's hard to say it's timeless, but it, this is a movie I think anybody could watch and still appreciate the main story. Yeah, certain things like the Macy's Gimbals thing and the post office being part of the government aren't true anymore. The remake kind of changes some of that, too. But at the same time, it's still a relatable story because it's all about believing in Santa Claus and the spirit of Christmas. And you know what? If this guy wants to go around and say that he's Santa Claus and he's doing a really good job for people and he's getting making all the kids happy and bringing joy and he's a nice guy, why are you fighting it? They even mentioned, like, hey, you know that guy that claims he's like a French prince or whatever? Yeah. He's not locked up. Yeah, like, <laughs> let the guy do his thing. Let people be happy. Jeez. God. Nope. Oh, he says he's cra- he says he is Santa Claus, so he's obviously crazy. All right, so uh, here's some trivia about Miracle on 34th Street. <clears throat> In the untranslated dialogue with the Dutch girl, Santa asks the child what she wants for Christmas. She says she wants nothing, telling Santa she got her gift by being adopted by her new mother. Aww. 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 Uh, According to Natalie Wood's biographer, during the shoot, the young actress was convinced that Edmund Gwen was actually Santa Claus. By all accounts, he was a very good-natured man on set. It wasn't until Wood saw him out of costume at the rap party that she realized he wasn't Santa. So that's actually pretty good on him. That just means he's a super nice guy. Um, both department stores, Macy's and Gimbel's, were approached by the producers for permission to have them in the film. Uh, they wanted to see the finished film before they gave approval, and if either store had refused, the film would have had to be extensively edited and reshot to eliminate the references. Well, fortunately, they were both happy. Um, unbeknownst to most parade watchers, Edmund Gwen actually played Santa Claus in the 1946 Thanksgiving Day Parade. And he did the duties of all the parade Santas. He addressed the crowd. He was introduced by Philip Tong, who plays Mr. Shellhammer in the movie. And later unveiled the mechanical Christmas display windows to the accompaniment of the Nutcracker Suite. Yeah, I got to imagine because you know it was the '40s. They had to really do that stuff. He had to really be in the parade. The parade had to have really happened that way, right? And everything. So, so that's pretty cool. Um, Maureen O'Hara was ultimately forced into her role against her will, as she had just returned to Ireland before being called back to America for the film. But she changed her sentiments when she read the script. Oh, that was back in the day in Hollywood, where you were like you you. You sweared fealty to a certain production company, and you did, like, a hundred movies in five years for them. (laughs) And then, of course, uh, 
I like this one. Received a B rating, morally objectionable in part, from the highly influential Legion of Decency because Maureen O'Hara played a divorcee. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, That's just one of those stats where you just kind of shake your head. And if you want to actually visit the house that Susan gets at the end of the movie, go to 24 Derby Road in Port Washington, New York, and you'll see the actual house, if it's still there. But that's something you might be able to do. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. All right, guys, so that was Miracle on 34th Street. Now it's December, so we're doing Christmas movies. Uh, Not in the next two weeks, though. (laughs) Well, they can... We're, we're, we're doing um, my Christmas movies next week. Because as you all know, December is Christmas. But December this year is also Star Wars. So starting next week, Dan and I are going to do two weeks of six Star Wars movies. We have decided to do the prequels first. We're going to watch them. We're going to do story order. We're going to do story order, which, in my personal opinion, is not the best way to do an introduction to the movies. No, And we'll talk about it now because we're going to be busy next week. Because if you're going to introduce a new fan to Star Wars, you should watch them in the order they were released for the sole reason of, and spoiler alert, guys, Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. But would it have that same impact to somebody watching the films for the first time if they watch the prequels first? And you already know who Anakin is. It doesn't have that same impact because you already know. But if you don't know anything about Star Wars and you watch it for the first time, you're like, oh, damn, which is the biggest plot twist in cinema history. So that's just my opinion of how, like, y'all should introduce your children to Star Wars. But we're going to do story order because Dan and I already know the movies. I can't even count the number of times I've actually seen the movies. But I'm also excited because I just got the brand new Silver Book Blu-rays and I haven't watched them yet. So I know what I'm doing next week. Lots and lots of Star Wars. Three of them. Oh my god, lots of Star Wars. And I already got my tickets so I can go see The Force Awakens on opening night, 10 o'clock p.m. Well, it's like two hours before the technical opening night because it's the 17th. They even do 7 p.m. showings now. Yeah, 7 p.m. The day before. I was going to get the 7 p.m. one, but uh, I'm going with a buddy of mine, and he goes, let's do 10 o'clock just to be safe because he and I both work at the same hotel, and hotels are are tough for hospitality because you never really know your hours. So he's like, let's do 10 o'clock to be safe because he's the restaurant manager, and the restaurant will definitely be closed by then, so it made more sense. I was a little antsy because, you know me, I want to go see, like, the first possible showing. Because <laughs> I'm like, uh, people are going to have seen it before me, but I don't care. Whatever. I requested off both of those days so I can have the I'm whole not going just... until, like, the Monday after because I didn't pre-order and I'm not going to... But you will go by the next time we record so we'll, we can talk about how excited we'll be. And that'll, of course, be Christmas week, which we're going to do Christmas Story because it's Christmas. So just shoot your eye out, kid. And then we're going to end the year with It's a Wonderful Life for our New Year's Week episode. So I'm going to make the announcement now, guys. January, we have four weeks. We've already filled two with requests. We got two more. So if you guys got a film you'd like us to review, we are welcoming those requests. 
we'll take the next two that we get that we like. So that'll do it for us this week. Join us next week for the Star Wars prequels. I'm a ball droid. I gotta roll on out of here. <laughs>